it's time for the Renewable Energy Hour. I'm Doug Livingston, and with me as as usual, uh, commuting via electrons and photons, is Alex Aragon, my co-host. Hey, Alex, how are you tonight? Did I lose you, Alex? Oops, we seem to have Alex uh, not hearing us, uh, but... I expect our guest tonight is. Maybe Alex can figure out what's going on in the background. Uh, and, I, and I will just go straight to my guest and see where Alex has gone. Um, maybe he will chat me a note or something. Anyhow, my, my guest tonight is Dave Rosenfeld. He's the executive director of the Solar Rights Alliance. And uh, people are curious about the organization, solarrights.org. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you very much, Doug. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm sorry we're having several strange technical glitches, but that's not unusual. We've been a scab together over 32 years, house in the woods with various generations of equipment and and and, <laughs> and, and, right. and troubled internet connection throughout the county. We just had a that's right. a power uh, a, an internet and communications outage to the whole coast that lasted about a day. No nine one one or anything like that yesterday and this morning, but so uh, what does your organization do? How long has it been around? Yeah, the Solar Rights Alliance is the nonprofit association of California solar users. We believe that everyone has the right to make energy from the sun without unreasonable interference by the utility. Uh, we keep track of what the politicians and the regulators and the utilities are up to. And then we alert the public when there's a threat to your solar investment or an opportunity for more people to get solar and also battery storage. And um, we've got 100,000 people now who we're regularly communicating with and taking action. Uh, that's about uh, a little less than 10% of California's 1.4 million solar users. We started only about four years ago. Um, I and other people that helped start Solar Rights Alliance were a part of the Million Solar Roofs Initiative campaign back, you know, 15 years ago to convince Governor Schwarzenegger to go big on rooftop solar. And at that time, many of us knew that the day would come where California would have over a million solar consumers, and it would be really, really important to make sure that they have a voice. And so four years ago, it was around that time, um, I and others set it up and got the whole thing going. Sweet. Um so uh, what brought you to my attention was uh, were some emails uh, regarding the upcoming change to the net energy metering rules uh, from the CPUC. Can you first maybe explain what a net energy metering rule is and what, what has been previously and why it's got to change? Yeah, well, I don't, I, I, yes. So let's first... So California, you know, 15 years ago, did not have very much solar. Uh, if you wanted solar 15 years ago, you had to be either wealthy or technical or committed, really, really committed. And today, you don't have to be any of those things. Um, just under half of all new solar now is going into middle and working class neighborhoods. And uh, there's 1.4 million solar rooftops. And the thing that's driving all of that is a policy that's called net energy metering. And it's pretty simple. You put solar panels on your roof, and most of the time it's making energy, and it's, you're using that to power your fridge and charge your computer and run your AC or your heater. But many times during the day you're making extra energy that you are not using. And when that happens, that extra energy goes right out the door or right out the wires, spins your meter backwards, and the utility grabs that energy through the wires and sells it to your neighbor. And at the same time that they sell it to your neighbor, they give you a credit on your bill that is more or less equivalent to what they sell it to your neighbor for, minus a couple of cents to pay for, you know, the various things that you got to pay for. And um, that is the thing that's been driving rooftop solar adoptions. Um, it's what allows people to make a sizable investment and make sure that they recover it within a reasonable period of time. And um, it's working really well. Uh, there's things that we could be doing to strengthen it to help it work even better for working class people. But the key thing is the utilities want to go take us backwards. And so they have been lobbying the California Public Utilities Commission, which is the regulators 
they've been doing this now for several years. They have been lobbying them and the legislature and the government in general to gut net metering and take us backwards to the day when rooftop solar was too expensive for most middle and working class people. And so that's what we're in the middle of right now is what's called a regulatory proceeding um, that's being run by the, the CPUC, the Public Utilities Commission. Um, and what they're doing is taking a look at net metering and figuring out what changes need to be made. And, and didn't they have a certain schedule for the changes had to be made at some periodic level? Well, yes, and that has, you know, come and gone. So um, the CPUC last took this up actually way back in 2016. The utilities lobbied really, really hard at that point. The public pushed back really hard. Um, there was over 100,000 people that submitted a public comment. And the CPUC largely kept the program the same. Um, but they said at that time, we're really what we're doing is kicking the can down the road. We're going to pick this up again in a couple of years. And at the um, end of 2020, that's when they did that. They launched a proceeding. And they, the timeline was going to be that the proceeding was going to wrap up in, um, in that year. And, um, and, and here we are now in, <laughs> in 2022. And, um, and, and there's, there's a lot that has gone into it. I think we'll get into it in the show. But the bottom line is, is that nobody really knows exactly when this whole thing is going to end. Um, but we can get into that uh, with your additional questions. All right. Um, well, I know it's changed at least once since the original net metering law um, and rules. We're on, we're on right. NEMS 2 now, and it's about to be NEMS 3. Uh, so uh, my impression has been, from both from you and from people I've talked to, that the utilities are have a bunch of uh, talking points about why the rules need to change and, and how the rules are going to change. What, what new rules have you heard them pushing for? Yeah, so let's... Yeah, let's, let's, let's put on the table what the utilities want to do, and then we can talk about what their justification is for these, and then we can talk about why that justification is nonsense. Perfect. Um, so, and, and let me just say, what the utilities are pushing for, by all appearances, the CPUC seems to be going for. So, as every day goes by, and I, I really don't want this to be the case, but the distinction between the CPUC and the utilities just gets smaller and smaller. Um, but we'll get to that, too. So the utilities are basically putting, have tried to put three things on the table in many ways. First is a solar tax, basically just a flat-out tax for just having solar panels on your roof. And there's a various different mechanisms they've proposed. We'll talk about some of the ones that we're talking about right now. But more or less, it's, it's the, the, the more solar energy you produce, the bigger the tax. And so that's the first feature of what the utilities are pushing for. is essentially a way to claw back the money that you're not paying them because you're making your own energy. The second thing that the utilities are pushing for then is to take that credit that I was talking about before, the credit that you get for sharing your extra energy with the grid, which right now the utilities don't profit on. They don't lose money on it, but they don't profit on it. Well, and what they want to do well, is they, they, claim, they claim they lose money on it. Correct. They claim that, and we'll talk. We'll unpack that in a bit. <laughs> but if you just take me at face value, at least for a moment, that they, they're not losing any money on it, but they're certainly not profiting on it. And what they want to do is shrink that credit down to almost nothing so that they would basically grab that energy from you. They'd sell it to your neighbor for whatever they, you know, the retail rate is, and they would credit you virtually nothing for it and then walk away with the rest of the money. So that's the second thing that they want to do. And then the third thing they would love to do is to make these changes not only apply to future solar users, but to make these changes apply to the 1.4 million current solar users as well. Who already so invested. This is their agenda. Who have already made an investment, who the state government has already said, you, that we will protect your investment for 20 years, and the utilities are lobbying the state to essentially renege on that promise to the people that have invested in solar energy and say, nah. We'll just do what the utilities tell us to do. So that's the third thing the utilities would like to do is make these changes both prospective and retroactive. Now, I gather uh, this was supposed to have already been approved some months ago, and there was enough public uproar that uh, they backed off and 
supposedly rethought it, but it sounds like they just regrouped. Right. So what I've described is what the utilities, what they've been really clear about from day one, what they want. So this gets to the question, okay, well, this, the utilities don't, or at least on paper, they, they don't get to just do whatever they want. The, the CPUC does. They're the regulators, the ones appointed by the governor to be independent agents of the public interest. So what did the CPUC propose? Well, in December, they released a proposal, what we call the proposed decision. And that proposal, shock of all shocks, uh, did pretty much what the utilities asked them to do. Uh, it included a solar tax that, when you put it all together, would have been about $700 a year for your average size solar system, uh, number one. It would have shrunk down that net metering credit um, by about 80%. And then... Um, so, so they're basically it, paying wholesale for your excess. Correct, yeah. They, 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 you, 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 you invested in the system, right? You generated this energy that the utilities spent nothing to make. Um, then the utilities will take that extra energy, sell it to your neighbor for $0.30 cents kilowatt hour, and give you $0.05 cents for it. And that's, what they were, that's basically what the CPUC took the utilities' proposal and basically just cut and pasted it into theirs. And then the third feature of the CPUC's proposal was to weaken the number of years, reduce the number of years that existing solar users um, can stay on what you would call NEM1 or NEM2. Um, so, and that would uh, go from 20 years, which is the current standard, to just 15 years. So those were the features of what the CPUC proposed, almost, not quite, but almost a carbon copy of what the utilities put on the table. And then, as you say, the public backlash was tremendous. Uh, 150,000 people submitted a written public comment to both the CPUC and the governor saying, no way, um, we should be making solar more affordable for working and middle-class people, not less affordable. Uh, a coalition that we're a part of called the Save California Solar Coalition um, also spoke up and weighed in. That was about 600 nonprofit organizations, cities, school districts, businesses, elected officials, members of Congress, mayors, city council members, about 600 in total weighed in. The editorial boards of most of the state's major newspapers also said this is a terrible idea. Um, and then you also had a lot of, you know, just famous people, <laughs> well, <laughs> for what it's worth, we're, we're weighing in as well. Certainly the and, industry um, the industry thinks it's a horrible thing. It thinks it will kill, you know, residential and small business solar installations. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, the solar industry is, we're talking about almost 70,000 jobs in almost every community in this state, good-paying family wage jobs that can't get outsourced. Most of the solar industry is family-owned, small and medium-sized businesses. You have your Teslas and your Sunruns, but most of the market is actually mom-and-pop installers. And when if middle- and working-class people can't buy the solar, then it, it would be mass layoffs. And, and this is not theoretical, because we saw this exact same thing play out in Nevada in 2015 and 2016 with a proposal that wasn't even as bad as what the CPUC put on the table. And the market just collapsed, completely collapsed. And so um, it doesn't take any imagination to know exactly what this kind of thing would do. So the solar workers also spoke out. The 3,000 solar workers marched in the streets of L.A. and San Francisco in January. And the net result out of all of this, oh, and then thousands of people flooded Governor Newsom's phone lines as well. There were definitely weeks on end where his phone lines were shut down. You just couldn't get through to them. And so the net result was that in, I think it was late January, reporters started asking Governor Newsom, what is going on? Because he had never said anything about this stuff. And the governor just simply said, I think changes need to be made. That was it. He didn't say anything else. And then um, about a week or two later, the CPUC put what they called an indefinite hold on the proceeding. And so they were supposed to vote on that stinky proposal on January 27th, but they basically put the whole thing on hold, did not vote on it on January 27th. And since then, everything has been in the back rooms of the CPUC again. And we have been trying now for a long time to get the CPUC and or the governor to, you know, fess up about what the timeline is and what their intentions are. And that's been very, very difficult until very recently. We are finally now starting to get the shapes of what the CPUC's intentions are. So that's, that's everything that is, and we can talk, we should talk about that now because we learned a few things this week and also in March. But that's, that was round one. 
All right, what? Um, the utilities almost got what they wanted. The public fought back. The solar, the original solar tax proposal got shelved. The CPUC theoretically went back to the drawing board. And and so what what timeline do we have now? And what are the apparent proposals now? Yeah. So on Monday, the CPUC um, reopened the proceeding formally, and um, is basically now formally asking for input on three things that they are now actively considering. And let's talk about what those three things are, because they really do reveal where the CPUC is at and whether or not they have been listening to the public or not. But first, on the timeline, based on what we learned on Monday, what we would likely see is a new draft proposal come out sometime in June, probably more like July, and then we would see a final decision happen sometime around August, September, and October that would then go into effect sometime early next year. So that's now what we know what the timeline is. But what we also learned from the CPUC from their announcement on Monday is that they don't seem to have fundamentally been listening to the public at all. And most notably, one of the things that they are contemplating is still, wait for it, a solar tax, a different kind of solar tax with a different mechanism, but one that more or less would be very, very, very similar to the one that they proposed in December, and in some ways even a little bit more pernicious. How so? So the one in December, the one that was $700 a year, was based on basically the number of panels you had on your rooftop. The more panels you had, the more that you would pay. This one is very similar in that it would be the tax would be calculated based on the energy that your solar panels produce and that you then consume at home. So let's huh. say I, you know, if you make you make a bunch of energy and then you use it to power your fridge and charge your computer and run your AC, all that energy they would they would actually track it and calculate it and slap a tax on it. And the the analogy that I can the best analogy I can think of is this is exactly like if you decided one day from here going forward I'm going to hang dry my clothing rather than run the clothes dryer. This would be like them saying, okay, well, we calculated the amount of energy you were paying um, to run your clothes dryer, so we're going to basically now charge you a tax on that energy that you are now not buying the utility because you're hang-drying your clothing. It's exactly the same thing. Do they give any rationale for that? What sort of argument do they have in favor for that? Right. So the whole thing is based on a, a complete lie, and the lie goes like this that solar users don't pay their fair share of the grid. Um, and, in fact, solar users are over-subsidized for their extra energy. And as a result, the, so goes the lie. I want to keep saying that this is a lie. Um, we need to make sure that solar users pay their fair share, so we're going to slap them with these extra fees and penalties, and we're going to shrink down that credit that they get. Because if we don't do that, then all the people that don't have solar are going to pay more and higher rates. Well, they I, essentially are scapegoating rooftop solar for the escalating rates that we are all paying, and it is a total lie. Well, and actually, my impression is that solar has shaved off the once horrendous peak power that used to exist at 2 in the afternoon um, with outrageously high prices. You know, it was up to, you know, 50 cents a kilowatt hour in the middle of weekday summer afternoons, and... And for most residential rate structures, that's dropped quite a bit down, um, you know, 17, 19 cents. In, in, in several ways, the, the, the rationale that the utilities and the CPC give for crazy ideas like the solar tax, the opposite, the opposite is true. So first off, let me just be super-duper clear. If you're out there and you have solar you most certainly are paying your share of the grid, all right? Like, you pay it through your minimum bill. You pay it because the utility already collects a tax off of the credit that they give you for the extra energy that you share with the grid. And if you don't have a battery, which most people still don't, you buy energy from the grid when the sun is not shining, and most solar users buy between 50 and $150 a month still in electricity from the utility, and you pay for the grid that way. So first things first, 
You absolutely are already paying your share. But to your point, better than that, solar users are reducing the cost of the grid and saving all ratepayers' money, whether or not they have solar. And the reason why is because you need to only know one thing about why we are paying out of our nose for electricity, and that is long-distance power lines. That is the elephant in the room. Long-distance power lines are the primary thing that is driving up our energy bills. It's um, the, 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 cost, the, the spending on long-distance power lines has gone up 36%, excuse me, 38% statewide since 2016 alone. It has gone up 66% in PG&E territory. And that is what's driving all of our utility building costs. And, and, and distributed, it, and distributed solar actually reduces transmission costs on, on the long alone, distance. The state, that's right. In 2018 alone, the state canceled $2.6 billion of long-distance power line projects that were on the books to get spent. And they canceled them, saying, because of all the rooftop solar and energy efficiency, we don't need to spend that money on those long-distance power lines because we're not drawing as much power from those power lines. And some of the best modeling that's been done to date, the most detailed energy modeling, has found that if we keep growing rooftop solar and battery storage, that we can shave $120 billion of spending off of the grid over the next 30 years. So it's, it's like just... I want to really, it bears repeating that rooftop solar today and into the future is actually saving every ratepayer money, whether you have solar or not. I think I just got Alex back. All right. Welcome back, Alex. Alex, are you there? Hey, uh, hey I'm there. Little uh, little technical difficulty on your end and not my end? Yeah, this, this, one's, this one's on me, so... <laughs> So have you been have you been hearing? Yeah, I've been listening the whole thing. Okay, so excellent, good. excellent. So let's uh, let's keep going. Where do we go from here? Um, I want to hear more about these bond villains and what they're trying to do in California. <laughs> and and don't, doesn't the CPUC have any uh, need to obey the legislature? I mean, it seems to me like uh, there was a law passed that said. The rules had to be such that it was a reasonable financial investment. That it, the law says that rooftop solar, that, 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 it, that whatever they do, we have to ensure the sustainable growth of rooftop solar. So we have that going for us, that that's a law. The other thing we have going for us is that another agency, one that hasn't been completely corrupted by the utilities, it's called the California Energy Commission. Mm-hmm. That agency which is they're the ones who are tasked with figuring out how the heck California is going to get off fossil fuels and get everyone to start driving electric cars and whatnot. And what they have figured out is that to do that, and to do that by 2045, which is what the legislature has said that they need to do, we're going to need an awful lot of renewable energy on the grid. And, of course, we're going to get a lot of that from solar farms and wind farms and geothermal and things that haven't been invented yet. Which we'll all need... Massive, massive transmission lines. Which will also need massive, massive transmission lines. But the Energy Commission also says that we can't get it from those alone. We're going to need to triple the amount of rooftop solar that we currently have today. And so the, the, the legislature, you know, the laws are, have all basically made it so that if, if we make rooftop solar, unaffordable for middle and working class people. It will not only violate the law, but it's going to make it impossible for the state to hit their their clean energy slash climate change goals. But let me just, I want to be really, really, you know, we, the, the legislature right now has been very much captured by the utilities as well. Not everybody. There are some friends in there. But after the utilities tried and failed to kill off net metering in 2016, they went on a spending spree, um, a political spending spree, and they dropped, uh, they, they made over $30, $30 million in political donations to politicians at every level of government. And, um, and, and that spending is paying off. And so 
we're now in the third year in a row of dealing with a piece of legislation that if it would pass, it would roll back all of these laws and, you know, basically impose a solar tax and all these kinds of things. And so we have fought those off, but we are right now on the defensive at the CPUC. We're on the defensive in the legislature. Um, and in a lot of ways, there's only one place that can really save us right now, and that's Governor Newsom. And he is the one person who has not played his hand yet. Well, he has not said where he stands. Well, what, what power does he have over the CPUC? He doesn't have formal power, of course. You know, he appoints them, but they're, they're constitutionally independent. But everybody in politics knows that Governor Newsom, and not just Governor Newsom, every governor that's come before Governor Newsom, they always get involved in the affairs of the CPUC, always. And ABC10, uh, Brandon Ritterman, a reporter, did an expose over the last three years that shows that this particular governor has been exceptionally meddlesome in the affairs of the CPUC um, when it concerns his friends at the utilities. <laughs> so there's no reason why he shouldn't at least... Now, I'm not saying the governor should be meddling in the affairs of an independent agency, but it would be important to know what the leader of the state thinks about all of this. And Governor Newsom has said nothing about rooftop solar. Nothing. The only thing he ever said, and this only happened when he was pressed by a reporter in January, was he said, I think changes need to be made to the original proposal. That was good. And it indicated he was listening to somebody, you know, some members of the public. But what we need right now is a very strong statement from the governor that reiterates what we that we need to keep rooftop solar growing and we need to keep it affordable for people and those simple words could potentially change the whole thing and um so we in very much in many cases what the cpc does totally matters what the legislature does matters but this is a situation that is begging for some leadership from the guy at the top so that's the if if one were to issue a call to action it would be to uh Write letters to the governor, send emails to the governor, call the governor? Always start there. That is the first thing we say is to write the governor, and then don't just, don't just write him, call him, and call him often. 916-445. Uh, come back to me on that. I'm going to look up his All number. Right. I'm going to give All it right. a couple we'll, times on this we'll whole We'll get thing. that out there. Um, and uh, and do you, do, does your organization help people organize? Can they join you and receive updates and things like that? Yes. Sorry, just in case anyone's out there with bated breath um, and doesn't want to look it up yourself, the governor's number is 916-445-2841. His phone lines are open 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Don't bother trying to call any time outside of that. Uh, we tried, and it doesn't work. Um, and call him as early and as often as you can, and definitely say no solar tax. He needs to hear that. But so back to your other question. Hey, say that number um, one more time. 916-445-2841. That's, the gov that's Governor Newsom's phone lines. They're open from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and he needs to hear from the public that the public is against any form of a solar tax whatsoever and that the public wants rooftop solar to become more affordable for middle and working class people, not less. And he needs to hear that over and over and over again. And I will just say this, and we'll, let's, we'll come back to your question, because I think there's a lot of reasons for people to be cynical about politics, lots of good reasons to be cynical. In fact, if you're cynical about politics, you're normal. You're a normal person. But just understand, when the CPUC proposed their first solar tax in December, that was greased to fly. We're pretty sure of it. We, we, thought, we, they, we think they thought that it would just be rubber-stamped in January. And the torrent of public opposition that was directed at both the governor and the CPUC is what derailed it. So it stinks that we have to, we might have to do this again. But do not underestimate the power of the grassroots on this. Yeah, well, we, um, we've we, seen that it's very powerful. We had a show on it in, in December and, and gave out lots of information to people on how to put pressure on the political system. And definitely putting pressure on the governor was one of them. Yep, yep. I mean, don't give up on the CPUC either, but keep your eye completely on the governor. It's the guy at the top that's going to determine 
the fate of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And right now, he's not saying a word. Are there ways that uh, we can pressure the CPUC directly? Do they have to receive public comment? or? Yes. Yeah. And their website is, is, in my opinion, awful. It's not designed for everyday people to, to weigh in. So what I think is the easiest entree into this campaign is to come on over to our website, uh, solarrights.org. Thank you for mentioning that in the beginning. And sign up. There's a sign up button. There's also a take action button. And we have a very easy way for you to send a message to that'll go to the CPUC. We will directly send it to them. Um, we've figured out all the back end stuff. Uh, you can customize your message. We have it pre written, but we always encourage you to customize it. And then you'll also get on our list. And so then we will update you when there are updates and inflection points that require additional action. Solarrights.org. That's right. Solarrights.org. Solar, one word, rights, the other one, dot O-R-G. All right, GHT, Alex. (laughs) 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 Um, So, uh, now... I'm still trying to get a handle on what what the utility arguments are mm-hmm. for for justifying these changes. Uh, uh, one one that I seem to hear or seem to feel has been promulgated is that solar has made made the grid electricity more expensive for the people on the grid who don't have solar. Is is yes. that that's something that they actively push? Yeah, the utilities and the CPUC have argued that rooftop solar is one of the leading reasons why everyone's utility bills are going up. And what they're basically saying is, it's not all these people. It's it's not paying for fires and things like that. You're not paying for wildfire mitigation. (laughs) You're not paying for the power lines. And also, you're just not paying the utility, that the utility made these investments assuming that there were going to be a certain number of people who were going to be paying. And then all of us solar folks basically took our ball and went home. That's their argument. And now now the people that don't have solar are left to pick up the tab. There's so many things about it that are wrong. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But you can see where, if you don't know much about the situation, it sounds plausible. It sounds like, yeah, like somebody's not paying their taxes or, um, you know, they're pulling their kids out of public school and, you know, voting down school bonds. That kind hey, of thing. Dave. And that's what they're trying to make us sound like. Hey, Dave, isn't it like, isn't it also contributing to it just that we're getting more efficient lighting and stuff like that? I mean, people aren't using as much electricity for some some of the normal stuff we used to use it for. And is that like decreasing how much profit the utilities are getting? I mean, we start putting solar on, start producing our own. So are they really genuinely not getting as much revenue as they used to? Uh you know, I mean, they're trying to pay for the power lines. They have all this extra outlay of, of money that uh, they used to try to save, and now they're putting it into maintenance uh, more, you know, like they were supposed to. So it seems to me like they're just grabbing for places to find more money all the time, right? Correct. I mean, first off, the savings, so so first, like, there's about $100 billion um, of savings that are that consumers have accrued to date from energy efficiency and over that same time period um about 20 billion dollars of savings have accrued from rooftop solar so the amount of money utilities are quote-unquote losing from energy efficiency is way higher than that from rooftop solar it's just they have to pick a scapegoat and they're picking basically the smaller one because at this point if you go after energy efficiency you really are going to attract everyone's ire but yes i think you made a If you're going to go after solar, you're going to attract everyone's ire. Yeah, it just seems like they're they're looking for something (laughs) to go after, and here's something that they can uh, obfuscate in a bunch of rules and try to sneak through. It just it just seems really diabolical and you know underhanded. Oh, they've done underhanded things before. Hey, we've had either multiple calls in the past four minutes or one very persistent caller. Should I pick it up when they try again? Are yeah, we, I'd say so. It's uh, a reasonable time to do that. Uh, we're at eight nine five two four four eight. Here, here they are again. Hey, hello, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, we're at oh, and you got your radio on in the background. Here, here they are again. 
Hello. Hello. Yeah, you've you've been on the air for a little while there. We've got a time delay, so it's confusing. Hello. Hello. You can't Hello. hear. I hear you. I'm not hearing anything. I hear you. Oh well, that was a strange one. Eight nine five two four four eight. If you want to join the conversation, and and oh, I mean, I just got a, Dave. We we uh, just had our largest. Uh, fundraiser pledge drive ever uh, in the history of the radio station. We're trying to raise funds to move our headquarters of 32 years out of the woods and into the county seat and uh, shore up our uh, signal access to the mountaintops, which we're slowly losing here from tree growth. And uh, we we made that that goal of $150,000 today, uh, several days awesome. earlier than uh, than we were supposed to. So the pledge drive is officially over early, which is why we're not doing much in the way of pledging. But for all you Renewable Energy Hours listeners out there, that was 150000 of a projected $1 million that we're ultimately going to need, although they're going after big, big donors and grants and things like that for the majority of the rest of us. But... Uh, but there certainly will be a large battery-backed-up uh, solar system on the site to keep the, the main station up and running during any sort of catastrophe or whatnot. Nice. But congratulations, KZYX, and thank you, everybody who's donated. And, and you can still donate. Uh, KZYX.org, donate now. Here's another call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Probably the same person. Um, we hear you. Uh, Hello, a different caller. You're live on the air. Is it my phone? Oh, you you hear, hear me. me? Yeah, yes, you hear me. The last two didn't. Great. Um, I'm thinking we might need to start a Me Too movement for anyone trying to stop destroying the Earth <laughs> and humanity. Hash- it's because it's really the same. I mean, I'm listening to all this. It's the same. Yeah. Think about it. The big greedy corporation trying to rape, well, trying to rape the earth. It's rapacious. Yeah, it is. And they blame the victim. So you have to figure out a witty hashtag. The earth is too beautiful, okay? The earth is too beautiful. It can't be resist. They can't resist to pillage it. And then... And we're supposed to pay for it too. Just, just think about it. It's, it's the same metaphor. It's the same thing. Okay. You could run with it. Run with it. Thanks for the call. Yep. Hey, let's get the governor's number out there again. People can actually call him. It's uh, the number was nine one six four four five two eight four one. Call during business hours. And call frequently. And lots of ways to. Uh, Put pressure on him and on the CPUC at solarrights.org, which our guest Dave Rosenfeld is the executive director of. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hmm. Is this the same caller again and again, or maybe line three is still wired to the pledge lines? I bet you that's it. I'm sorry, caller. Whoever gets on on line three gets stuck. Hello, Keller. You're live on the air. Okay, now it finally worked. I think I think uh, line three is still on the pledge lines. That's what's going on. All right. Okay. Well, first of all, celebration about the pledge drive. That's wonderful. Celebrate. Um, this is a really great conversation, and I'm and I'm and I'm really enjoying how your guest is is picking apart all the arguments. Um, Earlier in the conversation, you said that, uh, you know, they had initial proposals that, that and then they went away in January because of all the resistance, and now they just recently came back, and, and your guest indicated that they had three sort of things that they were bringing forward, and you started talking about the tax, but I would really still love to hear about the other things, um, the other two, if if I understood it correctly. Oh, he, what are the other proposals? He did address uh, at least the second one, which was uh, radically reducing the amount you're compensated for excess solar that goes back onto the grid. Okay. And, okay. And what well, was... Uh, no, it, it, it is the case that um, 
what's on the table now is uh, on Monday, we, we now know that they're still considering a solar tax that's slightly different than the one they proposed in December, but the same idea where they're going to essentially try to calculate the amount of energy that you make from your solar panels and use at home and then tax you on it, just like if they were just like taxing you for hang drying your clothing. That's absurd. Um, that's yeah, a great totally example. Absurd. It's, it cannot think of any way with which that is not an exact analogy. <laughs> and, and that's one thing that they put on the table on Monday. Now, they haven't proposed it. They're just saying, well, this is what we're considering, and we'd like to know what you think. So that's one. Number two is they're proposing to try to soften the blow of slashing that net metering credit. So rather than just immediately slashing it down to 80%, they're going, well, what do you think if it took like four years for us to do it? So that's the second proposal. Uh, second, sorry, not proposal, but the second thing they've indicated they're considering. And then the third is um, they're basically saying, now, what if we um, make gave it re- retroactive? No, the third thing that they're, they, they've released this week, that's still on the table, but they didn't say anything about it on Monday. So anyway, we could maybe get into the third thing a little bit later in the program. But oh, now, now's, a good, now's a good time. That's the one she well, wanted to hear yeah, about. Well, I think, okay, well, I'll, I think I'll hang up and listen they, on the air. Thanks. All right. Thank you for that question. So the third thing that they indicated on Monday they're considering is something that we haven't talked about on this program yet, but I think it reveals just how um, insincere they are about really helping working-class people. Because, you know, this whole justification for everything that the CPC is doing is, hey, we want to help low-income people who don't have solar. Um, But... Anytime they actually try to then say, what are they going to do about it, they drop the ball. And so the latest example on Monday was they're proposing, they're saying, hey, we're considering doing something called community solar, which would basically allow somebody that can't put solar on their rooftop because maybe they're a renter or what have you, um, where you could get the benefits of a local solar installation nearby, like maybe a, a small solar farm or solar installation on a church, and you could get a 20% bill discount. Well... That is um, a total bait-and-switch, because you can actually do community solar, which the state currently doesn't do, but if you do it right, then what people can do is essentially rent or buy solar panels at a local solar installation nearby that's not on their roof, and they should be able to get 100% of the benefits of solar the same way for somebody who has solar on their rooftop. And that's actually how you do a true community solar program that would really help renters and other working-class people that, for one reason or another, can't quite get the solar on their roof. But that's not what the CPUC is suggesting they're interested in. Instead, they're interested in some weak sauce program where the utility still controls the whole thing. The bill savings are only 20%. And frankly, the way that rates are going up these days, that 20% savings will get erased in just a couple of years. And then the consumer is still basically hooked to the utility monopoly rather than giving them the real independence that solar can give you. So to the caller's question, those are the three things that the CPC indicated on Monday. They're contemplating basically a new form of a solar tax, still slashing that net metering credit by 80%, but maybe taking a few more years to do it. And then this kind of weak sauce thing that I think is they're intending to make them look like they actually care about working class people, but it's just a total bait and switch that wouldn't measurably improve anyone's circumstances and kind of makes a mockery of the sorts of things that we really ought to be doing to help working-class people get more energy independence. Well, and the way they were talking about it before is they were talking about making these changes retroactive. It was like eight years or something like that that before the change? Uh, that, is still on the ta- that is still on the table. And they didn't say anything about it in their announcement on Monday, but we are still very, very, very nervous and, and if that they are thinking about doing retroactive changes. If that were the fact, then the people who invested, you know, back when solar was two or three times the price eight years ago, they would instantly go on to the, the D-rated program with, you know, 20% uh, price on their returned kilowatt hours. Let's say, let's say you invested in solar 15 years ago. Under the current system, you, you're protected for 20 years before, you get, you, before you're taken off your current NEM net metering program. Um, but under what the CPUC still hasn't, you know, they haven't said anything different than what they've already said. If it moves to 15 years and they put in place a solar tax, then next year you'll be paying a solar tax. 
And um, it, so, so they didn't say anything this week about where they stand on retroactive changes. So until they say something definitive, we're going to assume retroactive changes are still on the table and we're going to need to fight like heck to stop that. All right. Now I'm afraid I've got another caller who we won't be able to, who won't hear us. Hello, caller. Do you hear us? Rats. That means uh, unless we have multiple callers at the same time, we're going to keep coming in on line three. So multiple callers at the same time, and, and it's a raffle to who gets through. <laughs> um, very strange. Uh, we we switch over some of our lines that normally go to the board. Um, and now we've got a call, and if I answer you, uh, we, you won't be able to hear us, but the person who called right after you won the raffle. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I just wanted to outline a way to uh, dodge, P, dodge a utility company um, in a small house in Mendocino uh, where my girlfriend lives. I'm putting in a two-kilowatt solar array and a fairly modest but uh, reasonable battery bank, and we're going to run everything we can on the house, and whatever we can't, we'll run on the grid. We're not grid-tied. Right, right. So uh, that's a key point, Dave. Uh Somebody who's not selling back to the grid, would they still get that tax? If you are off-grid, then you will not see that tax. But if you're on the grid, but your solar never gets exported to the grid, you're not utility interactive, would you still get that tax? Yes. You would. So this poor fellow might get taxed on his his two kilowatts of solar. They would have to discover that I had solar. They would have to discover you had solar, and since you never signed a, <laughs> since he never signed an interconnection agreement with the utility, he didn't have to because it's not inter interacting with the utility. It's an independent system. Well, if you're if you're off grid, I mean, well, I guess what I mean is if you're not if your solar is not interconnected to the grid, no. You well, won't get a solar okay, tax. Okay, uh, we've got some ambiguity right. in the terms. Some people, uh, when they have... That's right, yeah. When we say off-grid here, we mean there is no utility line. I, I, yeah, I've revealed my, my, my urbanism, so well, my apologies, and I've just learned something about a distinction there. So, correct, if, you're, if your solar is not interconnected, then you wouldn't face the solar tax. Let me just say, though, my intention is to make sure nobody has a solar tax. So, you know, yeah. I... Yeah. My, my plan is to, to fight this thing really, really hard. Well, if this thing does go through, what he's doing is going to become commonplace. You, you, you won't have a whole, lot of, a whole lot of mm-hmm. sales in, uh, in PV, but you'll have a hell of a lot of sales in batteries. All the people who have direct grid-tied systems that, are, that, that don't have batteries, uh, suddenly they're going to convert them over to battery systems and, and consume all the power on-site and not send it back to the grid ever and avoid the taxes. Hey, thanks for the call. Yeah, we're going to see that. Okay, Thank you. I'm I'm saying good night. Good night for the show. Were you about to say something there, Dave? Uh, just that the utilities greed is you know it's so insane. This is a time right now where they should be working to build goodwill with the public, goodwill with with all the people that want more financial independence, um, want more reliability, want to help the environment, and. If they do that, there's still plenty of money for them to make because there is so much renewable energy that we have to build. People are now switching to electric cars and induction stoves and, you know, heat pumps. Even as they're more efficient, they're going to be using more electricity. Even mm-hmm. as people get solar, they're going to be using more electricity. The utility is going to be making so many profits in the year. They're just not going to be making as much profit as they used to be making, and because they're used to just being the monopoly, that's what's going on here. But your point is a good one where, you know, if they just had a little bit of foresight and, a, and less greed, even a little less greed, even if they were just only a little less greedy than they are today, they could be building goodwill with people and not avoiding and avoiding a situation like what you're describing, where people might just say to heck with you, I'm just going to go get solar and a battery and really take my ball and go home. And um, I hope that doesn't happen but that might very well be what happens. But obviously, let's 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 fight this solar tax yep, and yep. restore sanity. 
Yep. I believe we have a patient caller waiting in the wings. Are you there, caller? Yeah, hi. Um, this reminds me of a time, I heard the story years ago, when windmills were first being used. The church wanted to tax the wind because the wind was God's wind. <laughs> and so if the builders were using the windmills, they owed a tithing to the church for using God's wind. Ouch. So that, that's my story. This reminds me of that. Sounds familiar. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for that. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Jamie Roberts is in the house. He'll be coming on right after the native plant report. Um, and uh, David, is there any key things that uh, you wanted to get out there that you haven't had a chance to yet? You've been you've been a great guest, by the way. Thank you very much. This is so fun, and I'm loving, you know, the interaction with the listeners. And so I thank you all for listening and paying attention to this issue. I just think this can be, this is a very frustrating situation. You know, the sun belongs to all of us. No one should own the sun. No one should tax the sun. Um, And, you know, so whether you have solar or not, I imagine you're listening because you feel like you've got some skin in the game because you might want it one day. You care about the planet and pollution. So I would just say... Remember, we've stopped the solar tax before, and um, we can stop it again. So it's time to get loud again. Um, I Keep your eye on the governor. Call him early. Call him often. What's that, num- him. What's that number, Alex? Oh, did we lose Alex? Here I am. Okay, the governor's number. It's 916-445-2841. Call during business hours. Call during business hours. 916-445-2841. All right. And Dave, we we cut into you there. No, that's it. That was it. That was it. Write down the number and and just, you know, be very persistent during these next few weeks. And I would put the guilt on uh, CPUC for listening to the lobby of the utility monopoly. Um, And and you can figure out how to do that by going to solarrights.org. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. I think we're going to put on some music and give Jamie a chance to get settled, and we'll be back in two weeks. And thanks again, Dave Rosenfeld. Thank you, Dave. Good night, everybody. Thank you. This was really fun. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.